The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. The PFF NFL Podcast is brought to you by TrueCar. Hey there, diehards. Here are some football facts even you might not even know about. The first football game was played in 1869. In an average game, the ball is typically in play for only 11 minutes. And finally, pizza consumption rates go up during the week of a big game. Okay, you probably knew that last one. Well, here's another fact you might not know that's actually really useful, especially if you plan on tailgating. True Car also helps people get used cars. That's right, True Car isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with True Car, users can see what others paid so they know if they're getting a good deal before buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with True Car certified dealers. When you're ready to buy a new car or a used car, check out True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. We are live. Sam, we're live. Yeah, we're live. On YouTube. Sam Monson here along with Steve Palazzolo. We're live on YouTube. We're also archived on YouTube. Did that work? I don't know. It seemed like that might have been your cough button. Can you try it again? cough button? Uh, I don't know. Very professional here as we're live on YouTube figuring out our cough buttons. But yeah, we're here to recap. Week five, Sam. What'd you think overall? Week five action. Yeah, we are, and we're coming to you in pain, Steve, because we are. We are. Matt stops our producer tried to deafen us before this podcast went live. We're always trying to get a little bit better here. Yeah, and right? this this way we try to get better by deafening the podcast host. Say what? It's an unconventional approach. So if we're yelling today, it's because we're just we just can't hear ourselves very well. Yeah, um, we survived the blast to our ears a little over twenty minutes ago. Uh, but let's get into the, the week five action. I like that you've noted that on the time scale. It's like a moment of your life that you'll, you know, you always know where you were when. X this was happened. historic. I mean, yeah. I threw my headphones off. You screamed. Yes. I actually yelled out in pain. You yelled I've out never pain. done from sound before. I even, I'm very sensitive about my hair getting all screwed up and everything. And I ripped my headphone, my headphones off, neglecting my hair. Oh, you did. Along yeah. the way. Was no had to go redo it. There was no thought. To I'm the out hair. of product. I'm out of office product. Office product. I mean, it's just a rough, just a rough Monday. All right. Anyway, let's get into some of the action. I want to start with uh, your prediction. I don't know if we have the audio. We won't have the audio for it right away. But um, you predicted the Colts Patriots Thursday night game. That's been our thing, right? We just yeah. predict what happens for the Thursday game before it happens because the podcast happens after, and you, you nailed your project, uh, prediction for the game. Yeah, we're getting pretty good at that telling the future thing. You did it a couple weeks ago with Baker, right, yeah. Baker's debut. Um, I did it with the, the Patriots being back, Julian Edelman, the captain, going down in flames in a valiant almost comeback. Yeah. It went pretty much to script. That was pretty much perfect. So um, I think from a storyline perspective, I know the Colts were absolutely like, – you will not find a defense that depleted – often no they were playing guys who have never seen the field before got on the field for extended snaps on a short week after playing overtime on sunday all those things added up 
But on the other hand, you did get to see a little bit of what the Patriots' weapons can do with Edelman on the field, with Josh Gordon on the field. I do suggest, if you guys are watching on the YouTube channel after this, check out uh, Sam's breakdown on Julian Edelman and what he brings to the Patriots' offense. I thought you did a really good job of that on Friday, breaking down the video component for that. Um, so the Patriots look better, you know, what they should have been. Next week they're headed to this big showdown with the Kansas City Chiefs, the undefeated Kansas City Chiefs, who beat the Jaguars pretty handily yesterday. What were your thoughts on that game? I know that was your Sky game of the week. Yeah, um, you know, this whole idea was that this Jags defense is one of the best out there. If they can't slow down Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense, who the hell can? And the answer is probably not anybody. But they kind of did. They slowed them down, but that's the problem, right, is that you can – you can slow this offense down, and it's still going to rack up monster points. Which they is scored 23 offensively, Thirty, the pick six, yeah. Bortles pick six. There. So the best you can achieve against this team, essentially, is to limit them to 23-odd points. That's what we saw. So that's what we saw last week, though, too. We said the same thing about Denver. Denver played Kansas City yeah. extremely well and held them to 27. And you've got to bear in mind that Mahomes threw a couple of interceptions here. Mahomes made a couple of errors that we haven't seen in the past, so... This is really everything going right for a defense, and they still weren't able to to do anything other than limit them to 20-odd points, which means you need to match that at some point, which most teams can do against this Chiefs defense. Um, but the Jags weren't able to because Blake Bortles is... Is he bad? Yes. This week he was bad. Go. This week he was quite, quite the, bad. The, the one-on-one matchup between... Um, Jalen Ramsey and Tyreek Hill was so much fun to watch, though, because oh, yeah. they went back and forth all the way through the game. And really it came down to when Jalen Ramsey was able to get his hands on him early in the route, he was literally able to stop him getting off the line of scrimmage at times. Like he would just physically control him, and Tyreek Hill couldn't even get into his route. That happened on more than one occasion. On the other hand, if Ramsey couldn't get his hands on him, if he missed the jam or he just couldn't, there was not enough, uh, he didn't have enough... Um, proximity to him at the line of scrimmage if Tyreek Hill was off the line or something he got burned a couple of times only one of them resulted in a catch but he was beaten deep um, he was beaten on another catch or another another route that went elsewhere so it was really fascinating to watch them go back and forth because it was kind of even but that's what makes a guy like Tyreek Hill so dangerous is that you can control him you can win the majority of snaps against him but if it happens three times in a game it could be a disaster. It could be, you know, 100 yards and a touchdown. Also, when you have a guy that's as fast as Tyreek Hill, they're usually not all that quick. They're usually, it's usually tough to have the same type of lateral agility as you have straight line speed. Hill's combination of that, if you don't get your hands on him, does make him extremely dangerous. Definitely a fun matchup to watch. I think we're still developing. Now, look, the last two weeks, statistically, by far Patrick Mahomes' two worst games mm-hmm. of the year. Last This past game, the grades are still being finalized, but may have been his uh, lowest-graded game because of those two interceptions. They were both on him. They were both his fault. It, but it was still a game where he added a ton of value, still made a bunch of big-time throws, I think three or four big-time throws down the field, hit Tyreek in stride that one time. So um, it does show that even if Mahomes isn't completely on his game, yeah, they're still going to find their way to score points because of everything that they have on that side of the ball. Over the last two weeks, Mitchell Schwartz, at right tackle for the Chiefs, has played Von Miller and then this Jaguars defensive front with Calais Campbell and Yannick Ngakwe, blah, blah, blah. What's he done? Uh, he's allowed one hurry over two weeks to those guys. Pretty impressive. That's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, their offensive line as a whole has been, has been pretty good. They gave up a little bit yesterday, but overall they've been pretty good. Um, I did tweet out yesterday, Mahomes is playing with fire, with some of the, just like Deshaun Watson was last night. I mean, there's a lot of plays where you're extending, you're extending. And I don't care about him throwing across his body so much. I think that's a calculated decision. And as long as you continue to make it a calculated decision, you can get away with him. But he is taking a few extra hits as well. He's got to be careful. Also, D Ford remains good. Yeah. Which uh, is weird. Banged up in that game to keep, you know, something to keep an eye on uh, as far as their pass rushes. But D Ford, by far, his career season. Go check out PFF. Premium stats, PFF Elite, and you'll get the full D Ford breakdown. Uh, we'll have a full Chiefs Patriots breakdown on the pod later in the week, Thursday night. Mm. Well, um, we'll be predicting the future, right? Well, we don't do that on the Monday pod. No, I mean on Thursday. Oh, yeah, Thursday we'll be, yes. We'll be telling you what happened before it happened, after it happened. You're predicting the future right now because you're telling us what's going to happen on Thursday. Yeah. On Thursday we're going to predict the future. Yes. Uh, the Jaguars threw the ball over 60 times. That's generally not their formula for success the Bortles coaster continues to move up and down 
Yeah, so what happened this week is that they needed a quarterback to actually play quarterback, and when Blake Bortles does that, he beans his own guards in the head with the ball, and he's a bad quarterback. He so. does have a special way of inventing new ways to throw interceptions. Two years ago, we had to change the way we charted an interception because of him. <laughs> we, cha- we added a whole new dimension we called an unsafe throwaway because he threw it off his o- offensive lineman's foot, and the ball bounced up for an interception. It was, it was just a classic screen pass. It happens all the time. Quarterback has nothing. You can't throw it down the field because it's a screen, and you just bury it in the dirt. And he threw it off his ankle or something like that, and it bounced up for a pick. Mm. So that was, that was inventive. That was a creative way to throw a pick. And then yesterday, fires one off his offensive lineman's helmet for an interception in the end zone. It's just it's the creativity. It, actually, it looked something. like it was, in, it was so bad. It looked like it was intentional. You ever see The Replacements, the movie? Yeah. Yeah, it looked like just fired that play it. where he yeah. just fired it straight at the guy's head to, like as a design thing. Only Blake Bortles hit his own player in the back of the head. Yeah, it wasn't great. No. Uh, so the Jags' defense remains very, very good. They're not as elite as they were last year, though, mm-hmm. from just a pure grading standpoint and getting after the quarterback standpoint and covering on the back end. Um, so there will be a little bit more pressure on Bortles, I think, going forward. Yeah. As far as you know, needing to win games. You can't play this perfect ball control game that they like to play. Um, so that was a big game. Again, Patriots-Chiefs coming up next Sunday night. Uh, over to the NFC, and we just, you know, when I watch these NFC games, I really feel like it's unfair right now that the Eagles are 2-3 and three and the Vikings are 2-2-1, two, two and one, and some of these teams have bad records because it's just a loaded NFC. They're all going to beat up on each other. I think there's a lot of good teams in the NFC in this Vikings-Eagles game. Really good game that, you know, took some... Took took a little bit of crazy, I think, for the for the Vikings to pull it off. As far as you know, a few lucky bounces and fumbles here and there, and terrible officiating calls. Yeah, those two. Um, there was it was a big game for the Vikings though, because if they'd have lost that game, they basically would have been done. Right? You couldn't have been. You're never done. One three and one. The that tie just makes it so. It's, you'd still be better than the one and four Falcons. Yes, who are also done. Um, They're in trouble. Yeah, it, it, it was a big game for Minnesota. They kind of needed something or at least at the very minimum they needed to show they could hang with a legitimate nfc team and get a result as opposed to showing they could hang and still losing um and they did so it ended up being really close but they did control most of the game until they let it start to get away from them late on um it's kind of what we thought the vikings would look like heading into the season right which is the defense actually looking quite good at times being able to make some big plays um the offense looking good with Kirk Cousins, those wide receivers, and then the, the problem being the offensive line. And that was kind of that was the issue in this game. Rashad Hill at right tackle um, was a problem, then had to move to left tackle when Riley Reef went down. That put Brian O'Neill, the rookie, in at right tackle. Um, just the entire offensive line had its problems. So I actually probably performed better than I thought they would against that Eagles defensive front. But this is what the Minnesota Vikings should look like. And then the question is going to be throughout the season, is the offensive line going to be a big enough problem to hold them back or to prevent them winning, um, you know, winning when it counts? So just from a data perspective and a PFF standpoint, if you look at Cousins' performance yesterday, it was absolutely spectacular. I think anybody just watching some of the throws that he made under pressure, like hitting Adam Thielen down the sideline with a guy in his face and everything, he made some incredible throws. But it's a matter of, you, you tweeted out the stat before the game, his PFF grade st- drops from like 91 to about 45. 48, I think. 48 when he's under pressure. For his career. For his career. So on a, in a one-game sample, now these numbers need, still need to be um, finalized or whatever, but first run look, 13 of 16 for 179 and a touchdown under pressure with an incredible grade. So that's just... So, like, credit Kirk Cousins. Awesome job by him. That's the thing that's not sustainable. Because, again, if you said, hey, they're going to be under pressure 17 out of 41 dropbacks, you're thinking, okay, that's, that's right on the cutoff. And that's, that's going to be tough. But Cousins was spectacular under pressure. Can he sustain that if, he, if he's dealing with that every single week? And that is a big improvement over the NFC Championship game where it was 48%. Right. So, at the very minimum, it's a lot better than Step it was forward. then. Plus, you have a guy like Cousins who was actually able to play despite that pressure. The other thing that probably needs to be talked about in this game is just how stupid good Adam Thielen is. Oh, yeah, he's awesome. His So for a while, he's had maybe the best release off the line in the league, right? It's him or Doug Baldwin, I would say, have the best releases off the line. Um, 
but his route running has just it continues to develop. Every single part of his game appears to be on this continual, gradual incline, just getting better and better. And I was kind of curious. I tweeted this last night. Did anybody actually watch him at wherever it was, Mankato State or whatever crazy, like, four-room college he attended? Yeah, right. Um, like, was this always there and the NFL just never got that far into the obscurity of college football? Um, or has this been like a slow burn? He's just been getting better and better and better the whole way through his entire kind of professional career. Um, I didn't get a great answer from most people. Like mo- anyone who saw him early on said that he definitely didn't look like this all the way right. through those early training camps, etc. But it's just fascinating to see, to see a guy progress this much. And I'm kind of curious, is, you know, how much is left? How much is left for him to get better still? Because he's a pretty good athlete. He's got decent size. His route running now is sick. His release off the line is sick. His hands are pretty spectacular. Like there's not that much left to get good at. So he's maxed out. I'm not, well, I'm just there's no upside. I'm running out of things left that he needs to tick off in order to be the best receiver in the league. He's impressive. I, look, the, we do a we do a really good job, I think, at PFF of isolating the quarterback from the receiver. But one thing that you can almost tell when you have Adam Thielen's, when you have Antonio Browns, Stephon Diggs, a little bit, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, great example last night. Those tight window throws, those contested throws, where the quarterback does a good enough job putting the ball on you. But the difference between that being complete and incomplete is just a little bit of strength at the catch point, you know, catching the ball cleanly, using your body at the last second. All those guys have that, and I think that helps quite a bit for uh, for quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, but th- that duo of Diggs and Thielen we said last year were probably the best wide receiver du- duo in the league. I think they probably are. Those two make plays every single week that keep that Vikings offense moving when it probably shouldn't be. I need you to answer my poll from yesterday. Yeah, what was your poll? Who is the best 2-2-1 two, two team in the NFL? Let me just remind you who our options are. I we got have two of them. Who are the other two? We have the Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ah, uh, yeah. We have the Cleveland Browns, and we have the Green Bay Packers. I assume this is the first time in NFL history that we've had four 2-2-1 two, two teams. So uh, who's the best 2-2-1 two, two team in NFL history? No, this we out of out of this four. Vikings, Steelers, Browns, and Packers. Hmm. That's it is a good question. Every team obviously they've gotten to this point so, by having some issues. Yes. But I look at the Packers and all I just always believe in the Packers figuring it out. I look at the Vikings and I say, there's no way this Mike Zimmer defense is as bad as it showed the first few weeks. They'll sort that out as well. And Cousins is playing really well. Cousins is elevating his game along with the supporting cast, probably a tick more than we expected. So does he either drop back to normal, or is this like this is this is the move for the Vikings? You find a guy that can win for you if you just keep the defense into it. Uh, if the then Browns, there's Baker. If the Browns just had a left Ooh. tackle, oh, you're putting. If they just had a left tackle, I would really want to say the Browns. But Desmond Harrison is bad enough that I think he could actually be the thing that keeps that team down the same way the Vikings offensive line is it's probably one thing that's holding the Browns back from this really thing can. I really think it resides in the NFC Packers and Vikings I think it's I think it's between those two teams probably yeah I think you've got to bear in mind that Aaron Rodgers is playing hurt at the moment and is going to be for a few weeks when Aaron Rodgers actually gets healthy like 100% healthy it's probably there. I don't know how much better he actually gets throwing the football though like he's th- he's throwing the ball perfectly fine right now yeah, but he's not himself. It's clear that he's not. It, it impacts his overall performance. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's probably Packers or Vikings. Go check my poll out at PFF underscore Steve. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's live. We can't cut that. God, oh God. What are you doing? Go to Twitter. There's a poll. Your, your, Twitter, on game, my... your Twitter game has just been knocked off completely <laughs> since, since the Cowherd incident. The though. first time we decided to go live. Since the Cowherd incident of September or whatever that was. For anyone that doesn't know, like Steve, Steve and me were tracking our Twitter growth relatively steadily. I was about a thousand ahead of him for like a year and a half, um, and then Colin Cowherd, quite unprompted but entirely welcome, told people to follow Sam because Sam's a great Twitter follower or Twitter follow, and I got like five thousand Twitter followers in a couple of hours. I was always. Between six hundred and eight hundred or so yeah. behind you. Since that point, Steve's been really quite 
it's thrown him off his game, really, is what it's done. And it's le- leading him to do things like sending his podcast listeners to his Twitter f- to, to answer a poll. Any feedback from that? It's kind of sad to yeah, watch. It's, it's the way I worded it, Sam. It was, it was bad. No, uh, well, I mean, the way you worded it didn't help, but the actual... The, Let's not the, call any more attention to The cry to it. for help, I think, is the thing that I'm drawing attention to more than, more than the wording. This is the type of stuff that goes viral in a bad way. The cry yeah. for help? This is why people... No, gonna... my wording on the poll... No, I don't think it is. Oh, okay, good. All right, so let's go to the next NFC game that was uh, kind of a big one, Rams at Seahawks. I know it's not the same rivalry that it could have been if the Seahawks weren't a completely depleted roster, but this was my prediction came came true on this one. Yeah, I know. The only you reason it, we're talking about this is because you actually got this right. This is an important game, though, because it's still it's the Rams going to Seattle. It's always tough to go to Seattle, and my prediction was, yeah, like Russell Wilson's going to carry this team to a shootout. You know, shot. They'll have a shot in a shootout situation, but the Rams are too good. Yeah, they are. Um, I, kudos for the Rams for actually just doing what everybody should do and going for it. Fourth and one, you win the game, right? You get yeah. you back yourself to pick up half a yard to win the game, especially on a QB sneak. I mean, so when you run fourth down conversion stuff, fourth and one in general, I don't know the numbers on it, but I know QB sneak success is like. 80 to 90%. It's I mean, it's, it's high. So you're one play away from from definitely winning the game. Yeah. And if you fail, you don't definitely lose. Yeah. You still have a chance to win. I, so. League-wide, teams are just so conservative when it comes to this stuff. The amount of teams that appear to be playing for a chance to win it later on. It's like we play for the tie as if overtime is this big reset button and we get to figure it out down the line. Just play to win the game right now. You're, you're probably never going to have a better opportunity than you are to pull out your best play to get a yard. That's really what you're talking about, or whether it's your best play or a sneak and just overpower them. But the Rams, despite crappy field position, you know, they were in their own half, right? Yeah. Um, Sweat said, to hell with it. Let's go for it here. We win the game right now. If you're one did. QB sneak away from winning the game, that's yeah. a good bet. They that's did a good it. deal. The Cowboys didn't, and they didn't win. So that would be a good deal. Um, and they did it. And, look, yeah, the Cowboys didn't go for it in overtime when you actually have to punt the ball. You lose on the next possession potentially. I mean, there's there's so much risk with that. I mean, coaches coaches get warm fuzzies, I think, by field position. They're just like, oh, no, good field position instead of that I think that aggressiveness to win. I think they just they, they make these decisions too much from a standpoint of what can go wrong. What's the worst-case scenario yeah. here as opposed to how likely are we to actually get the win? Because that's really what it comes down to, right? It's not how bad can this go if I screw it up and the next morning I have to answer questions about it. Yeah, well, it's, but it's getting which, to the point where you're going to have to start answering questions about being conservative. And, look, baseball went through their little analytics revolution, and there was a point about 15 years ago where certain teams were doing things differently, and you could tell. And then a lot of other teams caught up, and then it was like, all right, there's a lot of fair game. What's the next edge? I mean, the Eagles got one yesterday. So, well, that, so this is what I'm saying, though. You're, you have Doug Peterson. You have Sean McVay. You have other coaches. They don't necessarily have to be young coaches, but there's a lot of newer coaches who are buying into this stuff, going forward on fourth down and going for two at different times and all these different things. You're going to start to see more and more of it, and eventually, 10 years from now, it's going to be like, why would you ever punt it on fourth and one in opposing territory? You're never going to do it. Like yeah. you're, that's that's the fireball offense, not the going for it. So the Eagles score late in the game to make it. They were within eight at that point. So the question is, do you kick an extra point, make it a seven-point game, or do you go for two, make it a six-point game? And the numbers said you go for two. And everyone, you know, the commentary is like, oh, this is crazy. Nobody's right. ever considered this, right. I don't it think. Just, but it makes perfect sense football if you actually think about it, right? The decision is essentially going for two gives you a better chance of winning the game, assuming you score an, uh, the next touchdown. Um, going for the extra point gives you, assuming, again, you score the next touchdown, gives you an almost 100% chance of going to overtime. So that really is what they were playing for. Where it's still a 50-50-ish proposition. We have a better shot to win this game by kicking two now and then knowing what we've got to do next as opposed to taking the one and basically all we're doing at that point is playing for overtime and hoping to win it later on. And And the other good point is... a bad way of approaching the game. The other point, too, is if you're down like 15 and you know at some point you score a touchdown, you know at some point you need to get a two-point conversion, always do it first. Most coaches just take the seven, now we're down eight, and then we'll just we'll, we'll go for two next time. Always go for two first just in case you don't get it. 
then you know you're chasing nine and it changes your But it's just a simple change in mindset from what's the worst thing that could happen right now to which one is a better chance of winning if like overall. So look, I just think we're I think the NFL's gonna get more and more coaches who are doing this type of thing, who are more aggressive, who are making slightly different decisions, who have people in their ear who have run the numbers and, and done math on this stuff. And they're going to start buying into it. And, the, and I, honestly, I think the teams that don't do it are really going to fall behind. Who is the worst team in the NFL right now? I can. Well, I mean, it's still the Cardinals, right? Is it? I think so. Just because they beat the C.J. Beathard-led 49ers, I'm not going to. But does that make the 49ers the worst team? Maybe because they're led by C.J. Beathard. Like everyone that looked like they were terrible has at least had a game where they looked half decent. Like the Bills starting, started beating people. Um, their defense looks like it might actually be closer to last year's unit than this year's the start of this year's. That's unit. the thing about the Bills. The Bills have the worst offense in the league. Yeah, and I don't even think it's close. Right? Maybe the Cardinals are close, but their defense might be close to top ten. The Giants are pretty bad. The Forty ers the Cardinals, like the Atlanta, may have the worst defense in the league, but they should still be in every game because that offense should, just should remain potent. I mean, who else sucks? The Raiders are still well, pretty Matt, bad. The Falcons have put up 29 points in their two outdoor games this year. I'm telling you, there are certain teams that are just completely skewed by it's, – it's like playing two different games. The Falcons have played three games in domes and two games in Pennsylvania. They've scored 29 points in Pennsylvania. <laughs> and like a million in, in domes. <laughs> right, okay. It's a factor. I'm just saying, like, when you talk and, – and, and it's a factor for their defense, too. I know they gave up 41 – well, 34-plus than the fumble. They gave it up outdoors and all that stuff. But I think things just get skewed a lot of times from this, like – especially when you get into November and December and some teams are playing completely different – Outdoor, you yeah. know, weather related. Their biggest teams, problem is that they just can't stop anybody. They're just so all beat up. De- yeah, all of their defenders have got hurt, and they can't stop anybody scoring anything. So I don't know. I, the giant. I think the Giants are up there. Like, good, good job by Eli. Uh, you know, almost, almost leading that comeback. He still holds them back too much along the way. Incredible throw to Odell Beckham to get them. I couldn't even believe that they got back into that. That was that was great. There's my there's my pen drop once yeah. a, once per show. Drink. We're live, just so you can... Oh, God, I'm going to fall over. Oh, still very professional here on the show. I mean, their O-line, absolutely beat up. John Greco, Omame, Chad Wheeler, yeah, just beat up. Saquon Barkley's playing really well, and it matters not one iota to how well that or how likely that team is to win games. Yeah. Sam Darnold's playing poorly, and they've won two games. Yeah. If you just want to... If you just want to match QB for... Running back. running back value if you're if you're into that yeah we thought the giants were gonna have some issues coming into the season and i think um so far the uh the season's played out a little bit as we expected for them so we're another week into excited baker mayfield territory because he remains really good yeah and i think a lot of people are going to say well they only scored 12 points nine in regulation yeah tell tell them why you're still excited about baker mayfield because he still made well, for a start, so that was some of the worst play calling you're ever going to see at times. And the worst thing is it got validated by the fact that second and ten kept turning into actually good plays. They got a few nice running plays. But they, like the whole play calling was set up to give Baker third and long, and he actually converted quite a few of those third and long plays. And, you know, there's some drops in there. There's some bad plays. Obviously, they were dug a hole when Rashad Higgins went down, and I'm amazed they were able to overcome that. I know, that seriously. Um, Did plus, we get a report on him? I haven't checked. Can't be good. Uh, but Baker Mayfield is just making consistent plays in a way that certainly Tyra Taylor wasn't making before Mayfield came in the offense. But he's able to get out of a lot of pressure. He avoided sacks a couple of times and was able to make plays. He missed a couple here and there. But the receiving court generally hasn't been helping him out, particularly Antonio Callaway, who's been crappy since Mayfield got in the lineup. Again, again stealing the just the very specific comparison because we use Aaron Rodgers' comparisons all the time. He has a little bit, from a sack standpoint, a little bit of the Aaron Rodgers to him where he'll there will be times where he takes too many sacks, but it's at the expense of making plays outside of structure, and that's a, that's a good thing. Mahomes will have some of that, whatever. Um, so that to me, that's, that's Baker. Like He'll extend some plays a little bit too much sometimes, take some sacks he shouldn't, but... It, the risk that you're taking is okay because the plays he makes outside of the pocket, outside of structure. Yeah, so he's played 
like half the number of snaps that a lot of people uh, in, in the league have played, and he already has 12 drop passes, which is fourth in the league. So only Case Keenum, Blake Bortles, and Joe Flacco have had more wow. passes dropped than Baker Mayfield has since he came into the starting lineup, which was two and a half weeks ago. Deshaun Watson had two all of last season. Yeah. So that's a, you know, that's a major part of why Baker Mayfield's numbers are not phenomenal because his receivers keep dropping the ball. Um, he's had nine big-time throws to just two turnover-worthy plays. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, his average depth of target is over 10. So he's is, had a lot of unlucky yeah, unlucky interceptions for Baker so far. Um, but he's looked legit. Like, he's the real I, – I mean, obviously, we're still in low sample size territory. But every week we're getting a slightly bigger sample size, and he continues to look yeah. different. Look, all the stuff we saw in college I think is translated so far to the NFL. Yeah. The accuracy, the playmaking, Not just that, that but stuff. he's also been consistent. You know, consistently good. We haven't. This isn't a grade that's fluctuating week by week by dramatic levels. Like true. He's grading the same good level every single week. Right. You know, Darnold has shown flashes here and there of being very good, but has been all over the map from a grading standpoint. Rosen has gone from an excellent debut, struggling more in a second game. Baker Mayfield is just checking in every single week, putting up eighty-five grade. Yeah, he has. So they're looking good. What else do we? Uh, Let's go to the Dolphins-Bengals game real quick. What the hell happened in that game? Right? You ever seen anything like that? No. The Bengals just dropped 24 in the fourth. Two ridiculous defensive touchdowns. Tannehill, what are you doing, man? I mean, just like... He's playing terribly. Like, Bortles was inventing ways. I know one of them was a fumble. Bortles was inventing ways to throw interceptions. Tannehill did that as well, just chucking it into into traffic for, uh, was it Carlos Dunlap defensive touchdown? And... um, Kind of an unorthodox Andy Dalton touchdown as well. Throwing it up under pressure, pretty much a 50-50 YOLO ball that Joe Mixon comes back, catches, gets into the end zone. Um, how real are the Bengals here at 4-1? and one? I think they're legit, right? I mean, they, were, they weren't a terrible team a year ago, but they, again, they were another team whose offensive line was such a problem, it was just, just it was going to derail their entire season. And it was right from the get-go to the point where guys got fired and you know they met to make some changes just to survive like it's better this year it's not great but they've upgraded at a couple of different spots and it means that they're at least viable so plus you still you've got a better uh, cast of weaponry even without tyler eifert though that does make a major difference to that offense um and then the defense has always been talented and i think they've gotten better up front um the the young guys who were playing so well last year they're still playing well if anything they've gotten a little bit better uh, we finally start. Saw, uh, we finally saw a good William Jackson game this season. He's been struggling to, to to start the year. So the defense, I think, is good. The offense is talented and is no longer being hamstrung by a crippling offensive line. You got a guy like Jesse Bates. I think we have an article going up on the site this week about his play, rookie safety playing extremely well, essentially replacing George Iloka on the back end there. And uh, yeah, that pass rush behind Geno Atkins, Dunlap's getting after the quarterback, and Carl Lawson's getting after the quarterback as well. Also, Dalton is a top 10 quarterback right now per PFF grades from a statistical, where is he statistically? So he's 15th in passer rating, but he's a top 10. He's like 7th or 8th, I think he's going to be, once the grades are finalized. So Dalton's playing the best football of his career since 2015. So something to be excited about for Bengals fans. Uh, Dolphins fans, two pretty rough weeks between the Patriots blowout and then blowing this game in the fourth quarter. But I think the Dolphins are regressing back into what we thought thought that the Dolphins would be. That's what we talked about on our Well Actually segment on SI two weeks ago. Don't believe this 3-0 hype, and I think some of their roster issues have uh, come into play these last couple weeks. Yeah, if last week was demoralizing, this week was probably equally so, but in a completely different way. Yeah. Like last week, they just had no shot at any point in the game against the Patriots. This week, this was <laughs> 17 creative. up. Was it really 17 up? Yeah, this was creative. just completely blew the game. Like, the, those are completely opposite ways of having the same absolute gut punch by the end of the game um and two of those on the bounce that's probably crippling for your season Kenyon drake touchdown yeah cut seven passes for 69 yards and a score a little corner route nice job by him they started giving kalen balaj snaps but it was one snap a week ago and it's two snaps this week i hope they're just going to go up by one snap every week just for you know fun next week will be three week after that four yeah. Just keep keep building. Send a note to Adam Gaze to get that going. All right, man. Let's uh, let's take a quick break actually to talk about our friends over at Simply Safe. Sam, you've got Simply Safe set up at your house. I just set mine up the other day. I have to start with this. 
I am not good at setting up anything. I don't think that does justice to, to how bad you are at setting up things. Thanks. I mean, it's worth pointing out, right? You, you know, we, we talk about ease of setup. Steve, when I moved over here, Steve and Rick Drummond, our buddy from upstairs, they came around to my house to help me kind of move some stuff out of the, the pod thing, whatever that thing, the container. Um, you know, put some stuff together. We had a scout's bed arrived. It's a whole flat pack thing. We're Anonymous together. Anonymous scout. Whole flat pack thing. We're putting this thing together. You know, thing instructions, bits of wood everywhere. The only thing we found that Steve was actually capable of doing was to put a screw in the hole all the way along the bed frame so that somebody who could be trusted with a power tool could follow in behind him and actually screw them all in. So for you to be able to, like, install this thing without the help of, like, a professional is quite an achievement. Were you to take that long for you to insult me? I mean, it's not insulting you. It's, it's, it's complimenting. extolling the virtues of how idiot-proof the Simply Safe system is. Simply Safe. It's idiot-proof. Even Steve can do it. Even Steve level. We'll just leave it at that. We'll yeah. leave our, our read at that. All right. Well, look, I installed Simply Safe in my house. I know you've had good experiences with their customer service as well. Simply Safe is ready for anything that gets thrown at it. That's why I recommend it to everybody, including everybody here on the podcast. If a storm takes out your power, Simply Safe is ready. An intruder cuts your phone line, Simply Safe is ready. They could destroy your keypad or siren, Sam, and Simply Safe will still get you the help that you need. It may be overkill, but maybe you don't need to be ready. Maybe you don't need to be ready for every worst case scenario, but that's what makes Simply Safe's home security so great. It's always ready. And for 24 7 professional security monitor- monitoring, it's just $14.99 a month. There you go. That's far cheaper than what I was using previously, by the way. Yeah. No contracts, no hidden fees. I recommend Simply Safe to everyone I know. You've got to check it out. So go check it out at simplysafe.com slash PFF today. That's simplysafe.com slash PFF to protect your home and family today. Simplysafe.com slash PFF. I have it set up. I got my door sensors. I'm going to get some new window sensors. They get some flood watch type stuff. Yeah, you should also get the freeze thing so I don't have to trek around to your basement in the dead of winter to check that it hasn't exploded. When I go back to Boston? Yeah. I can't do that anyway. No, so. I know, but still, anything that prevents me from having to check your I basement. Have, I have an old house, so, you know, the flood watch, the freeze watch stuff. There's just so many cool tools with, tools with it. So, highly recommend it. SimplySafe.com slash PFF. All right, let's get to the rest of the week five action. Want to fly through some, some thoughts and some games here? Okay. Can we discuss Big Ben real quick? Yes. This is going to be – we're going to have to do a full video breakdown on this because Big Ben – his season right now just epitomizes PFF. What are you talking about? I, I They told me he played great on the, the box score. What did his box score say? 110 passer rating, three touchdowns, See, one interception. He played great. He had one interception in the end zone. I was in the middle of tweeting how many about how many bad decisions he had made, and then he threw the interception because he threw – he essentially threw what should have been an interception on back-to-back red zone plays. So, again, that sums up what we're doing. We're going to – Dock you for both of those. They're just as bad. One of them was dropped by Desmond Trufant. The second one was caught. Back-to-back bad red zone YOLO balls. I don't know what you're talking about. His pass rating was great. Oh, my gosh. So he's got, right now, the third highest percentage of negatively graded throws. I tweeted out another stat. Just the most targets for a receiver where the quarterback's at fault, some sort of inaccurate pass, overthrow, underthrow, behind. Antonio Brown has 21. The next closest receiver has 12. So Antonio Brown has had 21 inaccurate targets from Big Ben this season. He's just missed a ton of throws. And this is, this is what's summed up. This is why the grade and the stats haven't matched up. He misses a throw, gets a negative grade, and then he'll have like a check down or an expected throw or a shallow cross that goes for 20, 25 yards. So, the, so it's like, oh, you just went one for two for, for 25 yards. Looks great. But one was a miss. One was like, all right, dude, anybody in the NFL is hitting that throw. Your playmakers are making that work for you. So he has double the number of turnover-worthy plays um, than the following quarterbacks, right? Ryan Fitzpatrick, who imploded to the point where they had to sit him down. Uh, (laughs) Mitchell Trubisky, who's been seen as the problem in Chicago. Uh, Joe Flacco, who is Joe Flacco. All those guys have half the number of turnover-worthy throws uh, that Big Ben has so far. Yeah, it's... It's really, this is one of those things that's just a huge discrepancy between the grade and the numbers. And I know the numbers aren't great. Let's see, where does he, 
see where he lands in just pure passer rating, just for perspective. So his passer rating, he's still he's only 18th in the league, 93.2. So it's not like for that's like NFL average or so. Yeah, this year, but it's more this week than overall. You know, but there's been week, multiple games like this. Yeah, but this week in particular, it was a great box score game. You know, when you when you get the sort of halftime break, the thing you see during games, it's like, let me tell you, quick break to tell you how big, bad, great game over there. And you're right. like, it wasn't. The box score numbers look great. The game was not great. And just because our grades aren't finalized yet, coming into the week, he was, he was ranked 28th out of 34 qualifiers. And I estimate that's going to drop. He might be 30th or 31st. He's going to drop a little bit. Oh, actually, Tannehill's below him. No, he might drop a spot or two. He might be the 29th graded quarterback by the time you listen to this, but 18th in passer rating. So I think we'll do a full YouTube breakdown. Um, so my point is, he's been playing with fire. I'm not, I said this a couple weeks ago, I'm not ready to give up on him or anything because he could still make the positive throws. He could still make the good throws. And at some point, there's no way he's going to continue to miss these easy throws and make these bad decisions, right? That's got to cancel out at some point, given his track record. Yeah, I mean, he's always made a high percentage of big-time throws and a high percentage of turnover-worthy plays, typically more of the former than the latter. Um, And even this year, he's making a lot of big-time throws still. He's got 12 of those. That's still up there in pretty impressive company. It's not right up with the league leaders, but it's high. Um it's just that there's so much, so many more bad plays than he's made in the past. Yeah, you would think that that will come back down to earth because that's the bigger anomaly of anything else in his play. But like I say, the, the weird thing about quarterbacks is that it is possible to have one foot, like solid season of anomalous play, um, you both good and bad. So like maybe this is just a weird, crappy season where Roethlisberger is making all the bad plays, missing too many guys. You know, making more bad plays than he's done in the past. It's not like making bad decisions is a anomalous trait. He's just making more of them than he usually does. I also think it could just bode well for the Steelers' passing game because I mean, possible, the yeah. fact that he's put up those numbers despite playing so poorly, which, where his play should revert back to where he was, yeah, they could be scary offensively. Which is what they were supposed to be, right? Right. And, but but this is part of it too. If you can have a quarterback playing that badly when you have Antonio Brown and J- and uh, Juju. And what James Conner does out of the backfield. I mean, all the guy, all the stuff that those guys have done in space and everything. I mean, that, that that maybe bodes well for them going forward. Their defense played a lot better, but again, it was against a uh, Falcons team playing outdoors. I mean, how, how much? I mean, how much yeah. could? What can the Falcons even do? Yeah, outdoors. Uh, where do the Steelers rank on your uh, two and two, two and one teams? I don't, I mean, I'm just putting you on the spot right here. now. I don't think they're that good, but I, you know, it's gonna. If Ben Roethlisberger starts playing better, then they're a much better team, obviously. All right, rapid fire. Titans and the Bills. The Bills continue to play this ugly football where their defense can uh, kind of keep them in it. Also, really bad drop where the Titans kind of blew the game. Yeah, that, that seemed like one of the ugliest games ever. Just it was nothing nothing but ugliness in that game. Jarrell Casey, though, was really good yep. all the time. Never gets credit for it. Uh, Marcus Mariota's uh, – last year we were talking about how his grade and his numbers, you know, they're not matching. He had bad statistics last year. He is – yeah, he's had some good, but a lot of bad this year as well. Mariota. Yeah. Haven't seen that next step from him. I don't know if there is a next step in him. Like, I don't know if he has that ability in him to be much better than me. Anything you want to say about the Panthers? We talked about the Giants a little bit. Christian McCaffrey is starting to look like Stanford Christian McCaffrey. And I freaking loved Stanford Christian McCaffrey. Oh, you're getting excited over Stanford here. Stanford Christian yeah. McCaffrey was amazing. And... This guy is starting to look like that guy now. He's running between the tackles. Like If you give him just a little bit of room, he's such an efficient between-the-tackles runner. He's really smooth. He glides through the space. He'll get a little bit more than is there. He's not going to like bust tackles left and right, but he will fall forward for extra yardage, gain a little bit after the contact. He's just damn good, plus he's that phenomenal receiver. Um, patience through the hole is pretty good. Yeah. He's very patient over at Stanford. Uh, I was the only one to predict the Jets – to beat the Broncos. Well done. 34-16. Thank you. Case Keenum with a poor grade. And Vaughn Miller, we had to look this up, is in the middle of his worst stretch from a grading standpoint since his rookie season. Yeah. I mean, I keep saying Vaughn Miller doesn't have bad back-to-back games. Now he's had like three of them, right? Yeah, this three-game stretch is the worst we've seen since his rookie season. So the Broncos, they've got some work to do. Uh, Chargers pretty much dominated the Raiders. Ugly. I mean, look, 
it was like they they killed them twenty six to ten. Yeah, the Raiders, felt like they beat them by a lot more. Raiders are bad. They um, gave Melvin Ingram a goal line carry. Can we discuss just how good their running backs have been besides Melvin Ingram, though? No, we need to we need to discuss it within the context of Melvin Ingram, the edge rusher, being their running back of choice yeah. at the goal line. It didn't work. Well, whatever. They still well, gave it to him. That's the important thing. They did. So good for them. Giving Mel- what, we got one carry, zero yards for Melvin Ingram. Um, Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon, pretty good one-two punch when it comes to running and catching the ball out of the backfield so far this season. I tweeted yesterday, just try- not trying to incite people, but Phillip Rivers has similar passing numbers as Patrick Mahomes right now. Raw statistics. I'm not saying he's playing better. PFF grade will handle that. Mahomes is higher. Statistics are similar. Mm-hmm. Now, Mahomes hasn't had the pleasure of playing the Raiders yet. No. Still has two of those to go. Yes. And uh, Rivers has some garbage time stuff in there. But, again, quietly he's playing well both statistically and PFF grade style. Yeah, also Mike Williams is starting to look really quite good. Um, you know, he was a guy who obviously was – did he miss his entire rookie year or the majority of his rookie year injured? Yep. Um, and he's actually starting to look uh, like a really legit NFL wide receiver. He's got some skills. He's got some, I think, more athleticism than people gave him credit for. He was sort of seen as just this – you know, possession receiver plus kind of guy, jump ball, right? Almost like the thing that I hate. You know, the worst kiss of death for a receiver. He was always. A, I, th- I always thought he was a little bit more than that. Yeah, yeah, but that was that was the kind of thing that people would tend to lead off with, right? right. Is he's a contested catch guy, big, big on the jump balls. You Needs know? a guy like Deshaun Watson who's going to give him opportunities. Right, but to I think make he's actually plays. got more to him than that. Yeah, I think there's something to that. All right, let's touch real quick. Sunday night football: Dallas Cowboys at the Houston Texans. I thought this was one of the cleaner games Deshaun Watson had played all season. He looked really good. Dak made some really nice plays. They still were unable to put up any points on the scoreboard, and the Texans' red zone offense was terrible. The Cowboys punted on fourth and one. All these bad decisions going on both sides of the ball. I, I thought it was kind of an exciting game, though. Yeah, this was so that the Texans' offense was like New Hopkins and Deshaun Watson. They got a little bit here and there from Ryan Griffin, from Alfred Blue, um, but it was basically Watkins and Hopkins again, right? And like they are conspiring to get Deshaun Watson murdered by that offensive line. I'm telling you, he's to blame too, though. He's had too many plays where he's holding the ball too long. So he can, the problem is, is that he can play well, I think. I'm starting to come around to the idea that he can play well over a sustained period of time in the face of monstrous pressure in the same way that Russell Wilson can. And in the same way Russell Wilson can, he is going to be the cause of a lot of the pressure because he holds the ball for an average of like three seconds, the same as Russell Wilson. You're going to invite more pressure that way. But I don't think he can take the beating the same way Russell Wilson can. Or he will expose himself to a bigger beating than Russell Wilson does. That's that's and, the bigger one. Wilson doesn't take big take. hits. Yeah. Either way. That's a skill. He's going to take more of an ass kicking than Russell Wilson, and it doesn't appear that he's capable of holding up over an extended period of time in the face of that. And that's going to be a real problem for this Texans team because they've already lost him once during his rookie year. He spent like almost the entirety of that game with busted ribs by the looks of it. He was getting, you know, the doctor in the sideline was checking him for like a collapsed lung at times during the game. Literally. Like yep. they had a, the guy was with a stethoscope on his back. And that's what you do when you're checking like breathing sounds to make sure that his lung is still in one place. I'm telling you, a lot of that's on him, though. He's got to be He's got to be more. He was good in the quick passing game. Our boss pulled that out. Chris Collinsworth pulled it out during the broadcast, how efficient he was in the quick passing game. They need more of that. But they've got to figure up. They've got to figure a plan because that's yeah. not going to work long term. Like oh, he's, he's not going to survive. Watching J.J. Watt take reps against Tyron Smith and Zach Martin, a lot of fun. Yeah. Jadavian Clowney against Tyron Smith, a lot of fun. Just, you know, individual matchups in there. Both Watt and Clowney made some spectacular plays in the run game. They did. They got the better of Tyron Smith. Like, Tyron Smith wasn't winning a lot against yep. those guys. Three official pressures from Tyron, uh, include, not including a few other losses in there. And Watt beat, I think he got Zach Martin for the sack, right? Did we give that to him? Uh, this this thing that the Texans do of moving Clowney around and letting him, like, take a running start at a, a guy inside is... Just harsh. Like, can you imagine trying to? It's one thing catching Jadavian Clowney when he's only had like a yard off the line of scrimmage to get going, but when he's already been running for for like four or five yards, how the hell are you supposed to stop that guy? Like physically, just the inertia involved. Like it's like you know setting a car going, let it get to twenty miles an hour, and then saying right, get in front of that and stop it. 
That's not fair. That's what they were doing in 2016. I loved it. They had Merciless, they had Watt, and they had Clowney just moving around everywhere. Yeah. I don't I mean, I wouldn't be able to stop that, but then I don't weigh 300 pounds. I liked when Haloti Nada was playing that A-gap linebacker early in his career. Yeah. That was awesome. Need more of those guys in the NFL. Do we hit everything? Uh, is that every game? I think so. We at least touched on almost everything. <laughs> we were close enough. If we didn't hit on your team, tune in Thursday because we'll preview all we're shooting every a single game. That'll do it for us this week on the PFF NFL Podcast. Be sure to get to profootballfocus.com because your grades will be in soon. They're already in for five games at recording time. Get your PFF Elite Package, everything you need, premium stats, version 2.0. All right, guys, we'll chat again later in the week. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray and his nfl debut that's my favorite thing about nfl game pass you can go back and watch at any time and if you haven't watched a condensed game yet you have to try it out it's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire nfl game in the fraction of the time it normally takes it's how i'm able to follow all the mvp candidates all the breakout stars and of course your waiver wire pickups all season long to see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash nfl.